The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome into Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, and this is the best of the Arrowhead Pride podcast network for the week leading into Monday Night Football against the New York Giants. We'll start with Out of Structure as Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner discuss whether the Chiefs should buy or sell at the trade deadline. We continue around the 16-minute mark with the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, our marinated takeaways from that tough game against the Tennessee Titans. The podcast then turns to the Great British Chief Show as Rocky Magana fills in for the Brit Chief with Tom Childs. They take their first look at the New York Giants. Show and BK evaluate whether or not the Chiefs should go after wide receiver Brandon Cooks around the 49-minute mark. And we'll finish up around the hour five-minute mark with WFAN host in New York, Craig Carton, discussing this Chiefs and Giants game on Monday Night Football. But as we said, we're going to start with out of structure. This is Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. We looked through the list of the roster and tried to identify players that are either on the last year of their contract or they're a young player on a rookie deal that may have some trade value. And frankly, it's not an impressive list um, unless they go full on fire sale, you know, burn it all down, start from scratch, you know, and trade Tyron Matthew and, uh, you know, Juan Thornhill and, and, and players like that. They could do that. Uh, I don't see them doing that. I don't see a reason to do that as long as you have Patrick Mahomes and, and uh, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Hill and, and the talent that they've invested in this team, it would be pretty shocking to see them burn it all down. I don't think that they believe that they're in a rebuild. So I don't see them being major sellers. Um, Are there any guys on this list that you think could get traded away at the trade deadline? And if so, what does that tell us about the team? Yeah, well, and, and that's the thing. They have to admit they're sellers to be selling anybody. And that kind of is a hard pill to swallow as a front office this early in the season to kind of say, Hey, we're just not going to be winning the Super Bowl this year. And so it, it is kind of tough that way, but one guy that makes a lot of sense, right? LDT. And, 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 you know, I, I think you made this point is that it's not really selling. I mean, cause you have too many linemen anyway, even if you're a contending team, get a traffic back for a guy that's not going to be playing for you. So that's an easy option. I think Jaron Reed actually does make sense though, because he is starting to come on strong a little more than he has all season. And if they truly are, you know, if they kind of think they're not uh, going to win a Super Bowl and they don't really need him necessarily, 
it's not like you have a lot of loyalty to Jaron Reed. He's been here for, you know, half a year and, you know, you might, you probably weren't really signing him after this year anyway. I mean, you could have maybe, but he's almost 32. So just as these rentals for other contenders, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a stretch, maybe like Blake bell, you know, maybe a team wants a blocking tight end, that kind of thing. Um, I, I don't really want to say any of the younger guys because that really admits that they are selling and that they're not, you know, maybe a guy like Byron Pringle or Demarcus Robinson, maybe a, te- a team with a wide receiver need wants to kind of, you know, just, <laughs> but, just get a guy. But, but that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. They aren't playing. <laughs> if if you're selling, what team wants Demarcus Robinson or Byron Pringle right if now? If you're selling Demarcus Robinson and LDT, you're not really selling. Uh, you, you might yeah. be getting better uh, yeah. by making those two trades. And so, yeah, I, I think, that makes me think that this team, first of all, I think I asked you the question right up front. Do you think the front office is going to admit that they've been wrong? Um, to admit they've been wrong would be to to admit that they're sellers at the deadline and they're not going anywhere this season uh, and give up on some of these players. I don't think they're doing that. I still think it's more likely that they're buyers at the deadline and, and with some hope that they're still going to turn this thing around. So if they were to be buyers – what positions, what players would help? Yeah, so position-wise, it's obvious, I, in my opinion. I think you just got you, – you'd love to find another pass rusher. Although, like, like we've kind of been already saying, I think a pass rush is getting better and better as the weeks have went on a little bit um, with Frank Clark coming back. But uh, one guy that really comes to mind is Emmanuel Ogba um, from the Dolphins, former chief. So kind of, you know, maybe wish they would have kept him around uh, <laughs> after the 2019 season when he got hurt in the middle of the year. Looked like the Chiefs' best edge rusher at times during that year. So, um, but hey, that shouldn't restrict you from making that move again if the Dolphins are going to be fire selling at, at the deadline this year. Maybe they take on a lot of his seven, I think it was about $7 million in caps or cap hit this year. Maybe the Dolphins take some of that on. Besides him and maybe Josh Allen from Jacksonville, I think that might take a little more to get from uh, get from Jacksonville, although they could be selling pretty hard. Melvin Ingram from Pittsburgh, that's another situation where the Chiefs had a chance to sign him without needing to trade for him. But again, that shouldn't prevent you from making that move now because I think Ingram would be a great piece to add. And then what about, uh, you know, just to finish out the edge rushers and then we can get into other positions, but what about Olivier Vernon, who I know got hurt at the end of last year, but has that, has that familiarity with Spags. Is just a free agent. You know, he's not on a team right now. So that would just be signing somebody. Maybe that's one way they go. And, may, and that doesn't have to be a trade deadline. Thing. That could be later in the season, too. So I'd, I'd watch out for that one. I think that could be a sneaky one that they pull later. Yeah, I definitely think they're they're still hunting for help on the defensive line, especially somebody they can get to the quarterback. Uh, they'll, they'll look at Vernon, hopefully, when he's healthy. Um, I bet they're going to explore some of these other edge rushers, Dante Fowler, you know, um, you know, Manny Agba. So some of those guys, are, Josh Allen, I think would be the most exciting of all the group because he's still a young player with a ton of upside. Uh, Josh Allen being the edge, not the quarterback, obviously. Uh, other positions that have been rumored, obviously Marlon Mack, the running back's been in the rumors for the Chiefs. Now they're not that far away from Clyde probably coming back. So I, I think the longer you wait on Marlon Mack, the less likely it is that they they would add a guy like that. Um, there is Devontae Parker from the Dolphins, uh, who'd be an interesting wide receiver compliment. Uh, old acquaintance Juju Smith-Schuster, who uh, might be available at the deadline. Um, and, and again, we're leaning on the Dolphins pretty heavy here, but Xavier Howard has been rumored to be a, 
a salary dump for them. And if there's the Chiefs could work something out there, I think that would be that would be an interesting add, even though we just argued that they have some cornerback talent on the team. He's he's a top tier player. You don't really uh, you don't really turn your nose up at that if the opportunity presented itself. No, absolutely not. And and I think a couple of those players you mentioned, it, it does make sense. You know, it, it does. You could see the Chiefs, you know, Brett Veach is an aggressive guy. And that's why, you know, these 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 are possible. But on the Marlon Mack point real quick, I do want to say that we kind of missed out on maybe criticizing Veach for the Clyde pick maybe a little bit because I'll, I'll say it. You know, I, I think that's a pretty bad pick when you account for the fact that that was one of their only first round picks. Like we were kind of saying, they don't really have a lot of them. The one time you do have one, use it on a running back that really isn't really making a difference in your offense. I think that's kind of I think that's that should be a, a mark on his resume. I think. Yeah, it's that's a popular take. And and the, my only counterpoint, again, is that Clyde's been productive. Uh, he was coming off of two 100 yard games before he got hurt. Uh, the guys. He, he was a very productive player last year in the end. He's not a dynamic, explosive, you know, home run hitter like we like you'd want to see probably. Uh, and that's that's the best case. I, I'm never excited about taking running backs early because I think you you've seen so much success from the third round uh, and later in running back position. So I could see that point. I don't think Clyde is a problem. I think the guy is a good player. I think he's a, he when this offense is. When he's back, this offense is going to be better than it is without him. This baloney about Daryl Williams somehow being better than Clyde is <laughs> to go. That's that's not that's not true. It's not a thing. Uh, you know, I like some of the things Daryl Williams has done, but Clyde is the best back on this team, and it's not really that close. They they should be compliments. The coaching staff should be able to use those guys, but but I, I'll I'll take the criticism on drafting any running back in the first round. Uh, and, and if you do that, you open yourself up to say, if this guy isn't Derrick Henry, if this guy isn't an elite player, then you're opening yourself up for, for that criticism and, and rightfully so. Yeah. I just think the, the main thing with that is, yeah, Clyde has been the best back, but I, I think a lot, you could have found a back later in the draft or just at a lower price, maybe in, in general, in terms of how much a first round pick costs you over the years, you could, you could find lower investment that would probably have similar production as what Clyde's done yeah. with the run blocking. That's that we've seen this year. The run blocking has been really good. And I think a lot of players would have been able to get a hundred yards back to back in those two games. Fair enough. Well, let's move on to the draft. Um, I think this is the time of year when, Really bad teams start to look at the look at the draft, or at least the fans of really bad teams start looking towards the draft as something to look forward to. And I, I don't blame any Chiefs fans who are starting to head that direction. I don't think I'm quite there yet, but I'm getting close. Um, so uh, KS Chaser um, asked, so are we drafting a wide receiver too, a defensive end, a coverage linebacker, or cornerback in the first? And Garrett B. Lane what are some good draft prospects uh, that we can start watching, maybe even if they're top 15? I don't think either of us have gotten deep into draft prospects as of yet, but let's just talk position-wise. What do you think the priority should be if the draft were right now, if the season were over right now, where's the priority position wise Man, it's a toss – or not a toss-up, but I have a hard time choosing between two. 
Um, I think I would right now lean towards defensive end. I think a first round pass rushing defensive end would really, really be nice. You see guys like Odafa Owe, formerly Jason Owe, on the Ravens now. Gregory Russo was picked by the Bills at the end of the first round. That kind of kills you, man, because if you could get an effective pass rusher defensive end on a rookie deal for the next four or five years, that really, really is nice. <laughs> Not paying, you know, but, uh, you know, on the flip side, we're paying a guy uh, to have, you know, decent production and decent's probably a stretch a little bit. Uh, but Frank Clark, and he's one of the highest paid players. You know, if Clark was on a rookie deal, we'd be a lot happier with what he's been doing in his in his tenure here in Kansas City so far. But pass rush first, but wide receiver's another one. I think the Chiefs need another difference maker at wide receiver besides Tyreek Hill. And I know Travis Kelsey is always like, hey, he's the second wide receiver, right, technically. But he's a tight end, okay? And and they still use him as a tight end a lot of the time in terms of over the middle, you know, what kind of routes he runs. The Chiefs need another difference-making wide receiver that can make plays on his own, get open on his own, create separation consistently, you know, be a guy that could get 100 yards a game if he's asked to do so, not necessarily every game, but just in, when the game plan asks for him to step up, he can. I think Sammy Watkins could do that. Just he was he was wasn't healthy a lot, but now you're seeing what happens when this team doesn't have another difference maker at wide receiver. And I know Mahomes should make the other receivers better, but if but at the same time, the offensive line is set in terms of the future. I know that you know we're hoping they can get a little better and stuff. Get him another weapon, man, and I think that that could really help. And so I think wide receiver might be. I might flip to wide receiver by the time we get to the draft. Whether that's my favorite position to uh, pick what about you stags what are you thinking about draft wise yeah I, I think pass rusher adding a blue chip talent um that can get after the quarterback um one of the early draft projections that i've seen or mock drafts that i've seen from the draft network uh they gave the chief zach harrison who's a 6'6 268 pound pass rusher from ohio state uh, i think that's again not having watched a, a ton of college football tape um i don't want to get too far into the names but that type of player I think would be appealing to add to this rotation, you know, especially if the chiefs do make some tough decisions about moving on from some of the players they've, they've got on the roster, like a Frank Clark this off season, you're going to need a, a, you know, a keystone pass rusher. And so I think that's the priority uh, by far. I could see receiver. Uh, I could see corner, even though, like you said, they haven't really invested there. A lot of people are asking about another another linebacker, somebody who can play in coverage, which, you know, that's a frustrating one because they've got Willie Gay Jr. who should be that guy. You've got Nick Bolden who's showing up now in, in a different type of role. Um, I, I don't know if they go out and add another coverage linebacker specifically. Uh, I'd love to see, and this is not a first-round pick generally, but I'd love to see him have one of those old Steve Spagnolo Sam linebackers that can get after the quarterback you can usually get them in the mid rounds of the draft uh, but somebody who's versatile but can really rush the passer uh, in a legitimate way not in a, a, a blitzing kind of way um, that would be a nice uh, chess piece that he could use on that defense they just really need they really need to get to the quarterback more than just about anything else um, other than figuring out some of the the stupid issues that they've had Getting to the quarterback from a talent standpoint is probably what you want to invest in, right? Yeah, because I, I, I'm I still a believer just in general football terms that, you, you know, I, I, I build a defense 
from front to back in terms of I want a strong defensive line. And then as long as that's set, then I'll worry about building my back end, my secondary. And I know I think that waffles a little bit. I think the team, the Chiefs, how they play this year is kind of a case for both in terms of, yeah, sometimes if you don't have any pass rush, no matter who your cornerbacks are, they suck. But at the same time, you know, if you don't have good coverage, then you're pat. So it's like, that's a, that's a weird part about this year's Chiefs, man. I mean, no level of the defense is helping each other out whatsoever. It's kind of, it's just unprecedented almost, but it's anyway. whack-a-mole. I'm telling you, it's whack-a-mole. Yeah. With different problems on this team. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about some of these things, but really quick before we sign off here, let's go through what can they do without making personal moves just in-house with the guys they have, with the coaching staff they have, what are some things that they can do? Cutting down on penalties and turnovers has to be at the top of that list. If you, The penalties really extended a lot of drives for the Titans this week and, and set them back uh, on the, the few productive offensive drives that the Chiefs had. That's just sloppiness. That's discipline. It's, it's coaching. Um, that can be fixed. Um, obviously, we've been saying that for seven games already. They have to find a way to cut down the turnovers. But those two things, big picture, solve that, and this season gets back on the tracks. Uh, but as far as personnel moves, is there anything that you see in-house that they could swap one player out for another and make a difference? Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, and it is that time. The world-famous marinated takeaways and John, I kind of dug a little bit more so on the state of the team and marinated thoughts there. So if you have game specific, let's get through yours first and then I'll kind of talk to you, you through some of mine. All right. Um, I This was something else that I mentioned in the Snap Counts article today, uh, but decided to save until this point in the show. Um, the Chiefs passed the ball on 81% of their plays. On Sunday, that's the most it's been in the last two years. Okay, in this, in all of this season and all of last season, and that includes the Super Bowl game that where they lost thirty-one to nine. Now, you know, the in, initial reaction to a stat like this is, well, of course they passed the ball a lot; they were behind. Okay, right. that's fair. That's the that's the top level thing that any talking head would say on NFL Network or on ESPN, you know, yeah, they they were throwing the ball a lot because they were behind. But I would make this point, and that is it's not like the Titans were ahead 42 to nothing at the half. Right. They were up 24 to nothing. And if you don't believe the Chiefs are capable of scoring 24 points in a half of football, then you haven't been paying attention to what the Chiefs are doing. I wonder if the Chiefs wouldn't have been smarter to come out in the second half still with a whole half of football to play and concentrate on the running game. Yeah. You know, on top of this being 80% of their, uh, and on top of it being just 20% of their plays, half of those plays were runs by Patrick Mahomes or Chad, Patrick Mahomes or Chad Henney. Right. So, you know, you're talking about like six running plays over the whole game. It seems to me that the Chiefs made it easier for the Titans to defend against them in the second half by completely completely abandoning the running game. We, we, we've seen this year 
and, and it's just 2021 where the best percentage seemingly for the Chiefs is even if not running slightly a tick more. Now, that's what Clyde edwards Larry is out of the lineup right now. But it seems like mm-hmm. Daryl Williams is more than capable. And I would I agree. agree. I, I think they, they got away from that. And when you are one dimensional and you feel like you have to pass the football constantly and they're going through the struggles they're going through. Good luck. Right. I mean, this is a, a Mike Vrabel team that can play defense despite some of the injuries. And they have you. They You at least know with Vrabel, they're going to scheme you up correctly based upon what has been your weakness this year. And then by passing, as you mentioned, 80 percent of the time, you're just playing into that. So I think that's a good point by you. What else do you have on this? Um, I am hearing a lot of people talking about firing Andy Reid. Firing Steve Spagnolo, firing Eric Bieniemy. I get it. This is a reaction that people have to this kind of a situation where you have a team that should be good that is not playing up to their potential. I get it why people feel this way. But let's emphasize this right now. None of these Chiefs coaches are going anywhere, at least not now. Right. The Chiefs franchise is not a team that's going to panic before we reach the halfway point of the season and fire the defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator, the head coach. None of that is going to happen, okay? <laughs> if you're if you're looking for the news every day that Steve Spagnuolo's been fired, just stop. It's not well, going to happen. Could I think happen my, at the end of the season, of course. I think there I, I, I'd agree with you. I think the mutual parting away is at the end of the season if this continues is sure. a possibility. Sure. Now, of course it if is. you were yeah. to let him go mid-season, it would have to be an interim coach, one mm-hmm. of the other def- defensive coaches. And, you know, mm-hmm. I would counter that and say, well, which position group is playing well? <laughs> is there one? You yeah. know, like, who would you say, okay, well, at least, you know, that that group is playing well. Let's see what this guy can do. No. None of these yeah. groups are playing consistently well. And maybe you can make a case the young linebackers looked good for one game when they had to play because Anthony Hitchens was out, right? I, I thought that was a bright spot of this game, that that Nick Bolton and Willie Gay looked good. I don't think Matt House is ready to step in as the Kansas City Chiefs defensive coordinator. So that goes back to just the lack of salary cap money and, and the trade deadline coming up. I, I just don't see any reinforcements on the way, so it's got to be figured out in this room, and that extends to what is the defense. All right, John, anything else on your end? Yeah, this is the one I wrote down after your remarks at the beginning of the show. Okay. And this is another thing that I want to get out there that that just frustrates me when I see people talking about it. And this is a pet peeve of mine, so I'm sorry. Okay. NFL teams don't tank. If you're <laughs> thinking now that the right thing for the Chiefs to do is to trade away their star players and tank the season so they can get a high draft pick, forget it. It's not going to happen. Now, there may be... NFL owners who think that that's the way to do things. There may be NFL owners who tell their head coaches, hey, you know, I don't really care if we win any games the rest of the season, we'll get a higher draft pick. There may be owners who do that. But I've been in NFL locker rooms. I've talked to head coaches, and I've done it for a long time. And I'm telling you right now that if a player is told that his job is to tank in this game so that another player can be drafted to take his job, he is not going to do it. So let's get this tanking talk off the just be, let's just be done with that. It doesn't happen. 
It's not going to happen. The Chiefs are going to play as hard as they can, and they're going to use the draft picks they get. That's how this works. Look no further than the New York Jets beating the Rams last year. Yeah. Costing themselves exactly. Trevor Lawrence over yeah. what, what is Zach Wilson. Yeah. Meanwhile, they both just should have been focused on Mac Jones. My goodness, in New England. He, he looks like the best quarterback in the class right now. But anyway, I digress. I would agree. I don't think, you know, say you want to say, okay, well, what about the Philadelphia Eagles in the last game last year? I don't know, but well, you know what? I don't think the Chiefs franchise is in a position to even consider something like that. This is well, but you're also talking about one game there. Right. You right. know, and there were other angles to it besides what the draft position was going to be. Right, there, were, right, right. there were other considerations there. I'm just saying that there's no team that at, at the midpoint of the season says, yeah, let's just lose the rest of the game. No, that's true. That's that, true. I just, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Those are all good points. Uh, I think the Chiefs will be gunning to obviously make the postseason, and, and we'll see. You know, you forget this because we're just so used to the dominance of the Kansas City Chiefs, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were a wild card team. It isn't important mm-hmm. as to how you play the yeah. full year, and and look look at last year with the Chiefs and, and how they got to the Super Bowl as that number one seed. It's really how you're playing the last month of the season. And right now, we're in October. Uh, the season goes into mid middle of January, so that the last month of the season really doesn't even happen until December 10th. Now you need to win along the way, but there's time to be playing your absolute best football, and you're actually better off. This is this is a point I just ran myself into. You're actually better off being something like 10 and seven and playing really good ball in January at the end here, where there's two games in January going into the postseason if you can make it. Then say the Chiefs had gone undefeated or say they have two losses and you're 15 and two and you know uh things have gotten a little bit boring i i don't think necessarily that's the best thing either so uh, as we're hunting down silver linings here on the arrowhead pride editor show perhaps that can be one of them <laughs> well they are kind of hard to find right now i'll agree i mean yes. you know there was nothing about sunday's game that was fun to watch or fun to absorb uh, i i wrote after the game on sunday that i was embarrassed to watch it which i almost never do Right. My wife will tell you I was in here screaming during the game, which I don't <laughs> normally do. But there were things in that game that were just hard to watch. It's a, but, it's it, it's become embarrassing. Here's why it's become embarrassing, especially, I think, for Kansas City and, and the Chiefs fan base. This is a team for a couple of years now that has really flashed, and it's been fun. There's a lot of swagger and like a lot of mm, arrogance and yeah. a lot of like Mahomes is the king. And it was well-deserved. Sure. But... When you get to your point of struggles, the other 31 fan bases and other SB Nation sites and writers and readers and analysts are not yeah. going to forget oh, that, yeah. you know? And so yeah. now you're, you're having a lot of people who were like, oh, I thought the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl every year that are enjoying it, for lack of better terms. And and it is, to an extent, with the way they're showing up in some of these games, embarrassing. I know that Andy Reid said the effort thing. There are parts of that game where you're like, you know what? The way they look, this is a hopeless football game. And I think that's what's tough right now to watch this team. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Some marinated takeaways. And the reason why I had John go first is I knew, you know, you would follow the what we usually do and go game specific. I have some bigger things about like the issues surrounding this team. And I'm just going to kind of go through them and okay. establishing what's real. And Are any of these a rant? Do I need to you know, no, make any notes? No, no we, we got rid of okay. ranting a long time ago. Okay. Um, right. So we have offensive issues with this team. And I want to credit Bill Bornwell of ESPN for some of these tidbits. The, the first two are from him. 
And I just thought they were interesting and worth thinking about. ESPN's automated coverage analysis reports that the Chiefs are facing too deep coverage, about 36.5% of their dropbacks between 18 and 20. Now, in 2021, the league as a whole is upping its too deep coverage to a rate of 38%, meaning two safeties, those two safety looks against Mahomes on 59% of the dropbacks. That is a wild number. And what it means is you're going to see the same thing every week until you don't. And until the Chiefs adjust, I, I think, why aren't teams just going to continue to, to copy game plans? Now, every team is going to put their own spin on it. I don't think you'll see, for example, like the Ravens come in and they are a blitz team and they're not going to blitz at all. Like, I, I think other defensive coordinators. But the basic thing is, okay, we're going to have two safeties back. We're going to be playing cover two, cover four. I heard that Dane and Hughes today on Fesco in the morning talked about this catch cornerback that's kind of waiting in that area Mahomes likes to throw the football where you're starting to see someone just kind of spy and wait there for Mahomes to make a mistake. It's amazing that we've gotten to a point here. But the end-all, be-all, and this is why I think you worry about bad teams like the New York Giants coming in and winning, is because there's a plan that they can do. And if they can be effective offensively, and why wouldn't they with this defense and where it's at, um, playing, you know, they're one of the worst teams when it, when it comes to, to defense in the league, that's where it becomes scary because if you start losing to these bad teams, and I hate to say this, the year is going to be over. And I, I just worry, and I don't want to necessarily call it a blueprint, but there's an idea out there of how to make it a game. And when you're making it a game, any team in the NFL can win. I don't care if you're the Tennessee Titans right. or the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think that's where it's a little bit scary right now. And it, and it and we can go back to the point I made before is why didn't the Chiefs facing that kind of a look go ahead and run the ball? That's right. what they're daring you to do is to run the ball. Right. And the Chiefs have an offensive line that is better they're not, they're running not, the, the ball safe, than it has been. You know, the, sa- why the safeties aren't even aren't even just deep. They're like non-committal to any type of run luck. Like if you even look right. at the film on the play actions, they're still kind of just like, we're not even going to come yeah. up. We're just going to continue to stay back. And why wouldn't they at a point? Yeah. And here's the other thing I thought that was interesting from Bill Barnwell. I'll read this one. The Chiefs yards after the catch is way down. The average Mahomes pass before 2021 expected to generate 5.4 yards after the catch. This season, that is down to 4.7 yards after the catch. Tyreek Hill has been far more inconsistent with the ball in his hands. He's exceeded his expected yards after the catch just 38.8% of the time. That is way, way low, uh, down from nearly 53% over the prior three seasons. I also think, and I want to lump Travis Kelsey into this, and you're seeing it on the film, folks are just beating him up in the first five yards, and he is banged up because of it. And I think Tyreek Hill is banged up with the quad injury. So your two best weapons and what they do best are being taken out of their hands in a sense. And this was a Bill Belichick thing that started a long time ago where folks would just start to beat up Kelsey and try to equalize him, take him out of the game. And I think you're seeing that. And, man, what, what makes it harder is so you have Mahomes playing poorly. And when he is able to get the ball in the hands of Kelsey, there, there's a guy around him. He's already beat up in, in the game. And then you're having Tyree kill and he'll – for what it's worth, and as I've said before on this podcast, I don't necessarily blame for this. He makes quote-unquote business decisions, but he's going to do that especially when he's banged up. And so it's, mm-hmm. God, it's the perfect storm of what you're seeing where the defense is kind of have them figured out a little bit. Um, Patrick Mahomes is not playing up to par. You have your best weapons that are, in a sense, 
the best things they do are being taken away from them. And I, then I think that you get, get to Patrick Mahomes in the offensive line. He's not in sync with his offensive line. He seems to be drifting too much. And um, the things that he admitted himself is, is he's bailing too early from the pocket and missing receivers. Now, now let's keep in mind, at the end of the day, what up, Eric Bieniemy? At the end of the day, <laughs> the Chiefs' offense coming into this game was still one of the better offenses in the league, right? Mm-hmm. So you have one bad game in the offense where finally a lot of these things that you've seen giving them problems and not scoring maybe the typical 35 points and holding them at like 24, they were working all day and you're also down 24 nothing, and you completely decommitted from the run in the first half leading to the three points. Even with all of these problems offensively, everything we just mentioned, it's the defense that's the problem. You have miscommunications. You have poor tackling. You have questionable leadership right now with some of the things that you're hearing. The key to it all is that Steve Spagnuolo stable of mixing blitzes, but also still being able to maintain pressure with an elite defensive line with four is non-existent. The Chiefs are 32nd in EPA per drive, 32nd in success rate, and 27th in the NFL. So Those are defensive numbers, right? Correct. Quoting, right. Okay. Correct. Correct. These are from uh, football outsiders via the athletic 32nd in EPA per drive, 32nd in success rate, 27 in points allowed. So the offense historically in the recent years has never struggled. It is going through some serious struggles right now, especially with turnovers. So you would like, okay, for once in this stretch of trying to build what is the, for the chief's terms, a dynasty, we'll we'll see if that can continue. Now there's gotta be, Stretches where you can rely on your defense to like bail out the offense as it figures some things out. It, it's in a rut. The offense, in a sense, is in a rut, even with the, the points that they were putting up before this game. And the defense is historically bad. And it's just the perfect storm of all of this. And, and that's my marinated takeaway for, for this is I often play the card of, look, long season. The Chiefs will get this figured out. But the mm-hmm. problem, I think, this year is – there is tangible issues. There are tangible issues that you kind of need time to figure out. And because of the four losses, the buy is out of the window. And you're in an uphill battle for a division with, and I hate to admit this because I wasn't a believer in the Raiders, but there's two good teams. I would, I like the Chargers still more than the Raiders, Yeah, but the Raiders look different from previous years. They seem to actually have new life from this John Gruden situation. The organization just feels a little bit differently. I, I watched their, their game and some of the highlights this week against the Eagles, and I'm like, you know what? Th- this Raiders team has a little bit more juice than they have had in previous years. And so with those teams having the five wins already, you have to keep winning and the Chiefs, the Chiefs need time, and they have no time. And I think that is what's scary about this season is I, I don't doubt that they'll figure it out, but will it be too late when they do? You know, That's mm-hmm. where I'm kind of at right now, and that kind of makes me panic. Well, and I think all of that is fair. You know, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say the Chiefs are a terrible team right now that has no shot of making the playoffs. But I also think it's reasonable to say that the Chiefs have shown that they can figure these things out in the past, yeah. and we shouldn't put it past them that they can, uh, considering the point where we are in the season. I think you're right. I think that they don't have much time to get this figured out, and it may not be enough time. And this may be a season where we miss the playoffs, and we'll have to lick our wounds and come back next year. 
But, you know, you saw what happened when the Chiefs licked their wounds after 2018, you know? Yeah. It's it, it's not like they don't have it, it the, the issue is not that they don't have some quality players. The issue is not that they don't have some quality coaches. Perhaps they've all played and coached badly in these last few weeks. I think it's, you know, I always say this that we look at the players on the field and we say that's how the game is decided, but the chess the chess match between coaches matters for a lot. In an in a parity driven league, where you know you've got a lot of talent on both sides of the field, and so what the coaches do in their game planning tends to matter a lot, and it's the part of it. It's the part of the equation that we can't really see. Right. We can't really tell when one coach actually out coaches another. Right. And at, at least not to the same way that we can say one player outplayed another one. And it may be that the Chiefs. You know, offense and defense has just been out-schemed in too many games in a row, and maybe they'll figure it out, and all of a sudden we're looking at a, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying that's a possibility. And I I said this a couple times on the post-game show. Things can change in the NFL quickly. I mean, this is a Titans team that looks like one of the better teams in the AFC who lost to the Jets, not last year, this year, right? So you got to keep that in mind. It, It can change quickly. If the Chiefs go on a little bit of a run here, then I think all of a sudden you're starting to feel better. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we went through the trade deadline. You heard our marinated takeaways. We continue best of the week with our first look at the New York Giants. Here is the Great British Chief Show. Anyways, I digressed again. Let's get back to the Giants game. We've only got like, what, 10, 15 minutes left until we have to call it a day. Like, I apologise, I apologise. So the Giants come into Arrowhead on Monday night. And despite what's happened in the last few weeks, the Giants were one of the teams that we actually had ranked lower than the the Chiefs in the AP rankings. Is it fair to say, despite all of the problems, that this should be a get-right game for the Chiefs? Yeah, it should be a get-right game. They're missing their best player in Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's their offense is pretty anemic without him. Um, Sterling Shepard is still out, I believe. I don't think he's back yet. I mean, so they should be. There should be a team that the defense should be able to keep in check. And I'm putting <laughs> that in a very bold, italicized, yeah. quotated "should." Yeah, but. 
you don't. It, it should be a good right get right game. And then after this game, if the Chiefs play well, a lot of people will be saying, "Oh, look, the Chiefs got right. The Chiefs are good again." Da-da. And it's going to be one of those things. Just like after the Washington game, they're going to roll right in and play a good team again the following week, and it's going to be the Titans all over again. Yeah, I was about to ask that actually. Like, how much can we actually take from the the Chiefs? beating the Giants. Like, to me, it's like a no-win situation for the Chiefs. Like If they beat the Giants, it's like, oh, great, you've done what you should have done. If they lose to the Giants, it's a disaster and everyone's calling for people's heads. So, like, I, I don't... I don't... I personally don't think you can really take much from this game. I'm more interested in result over performance because even if they do play well, it's like, so what? The, the Packers are going to come into town the following week and hold a, like a, or give a completely different challenge. So for me, first and foremost, Monday is about getting the win, getting to 500, because if you lose Monday night, that you can kiss the playoffs goodbye. Mm-hmm. Well, 100%. And I think there's the old saying that people say, good teams beat bad teams, but that's not true. Average mm-hmm. teams beat bad teams, and good teams beat average teams. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's how it's been so far. The Chiefs aren't a bad team. They're just an average team so far this year. Yeah. And so I expect them to go in and beat the Giants and then roll in against a good team in Green Bay, and we'll see. They have an opportunity to prove us wrong and prove mm-hmm. that they de- deserve to be back in that good team tier. But they have to show – we're at the, we're at that show-me phase, right? You know, we're not mm-hmm. at that – no more – you, we're not going to assume, it, you know, that you're good anymore. You have to actually prove it to us. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm looking back at 2017 when we last played the Giants in in New York, and I think I can't remember what game was first. It was either the Giants or the Jets, but it was a two game stretch where we played both the New York teams, and we lost quite badly to both of them, especially the Giants. Like at the time, I think I think the Chiefs were rolling at that point in that that 2017 season, and then. Okay, granted, it wasn't Patrick Mahomes, but then Andy Reid took his Chiefs team into into New York and basically just made a hash of the whole whole thing. And I, I think Travis Kelsey threw an interception in that game. I think it was one of those crazy games. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the following week, Marcus Peters decides to throw a referee's flag into the crowd. It was I say, it was a really weird stretch. It was a weird stretch. Took off his socks also, I think. <laughs> yeah, and then wanted to come back and play in his socks. Yeah. What, what a guy. I love Marcus Peters. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, really I mean, I like I like that sort of attitude out of your defensive backs. You know, yeah, I think yeah. you have to have that sort of swagger to play defensive back mm. in the NFL, and sometimes it blows up on you. Oh god, right this 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 show, I'm getting I'm getting into it now. I'm I'm I'm, I'm happy. Forty five minutes in, and like I'm I I automatically feel better about the Chiefs than I did forty five minutes ago. Like I come onto this show forty five minutes ago. All right, guys, how you doing? Yeah, let's talk about the Chiefs. Yeah, they suck all the way. But now when I'm started talking about Patrick Mahomes and the potential of Patrick Mahomes being really good again, I'm kind of like getting up there. I feel myself, I might get onto my friends in a minute and just like start messaging like memes of my homes and stuff like that. Like, you know, really like G myself up before Monday night football. But anyways, back to Monday night football for the fourth time this show. <laughs> Who are the ones to watch on both sides of the ball this week? Well, I think if you, if you start out with the Chiefs, I think the ones to watch is, is, is Josh Gordon going to make an impact in the football game? I mean, I think that's one to watch. I think is Orlando Brown going to have a rebound game after a pretty rough passing pass protection outing last week um, um, is another one to watch. And then on the defense, I mean, 
are we going to be able to generate any pressure? I mean, we're talking the whole front four. We just, we're going to have, if we can get Daniel Jones off his spot, um, he's pretty mobile, but if we can, if we can put pressure on him and make him make just bad decisions, then we may be able to get a couple of turnovers because he is prone to tossing the ball away. Yeah, for sure. He, do you know he's their leading rusher and passer so far this season, Daniel Jones? He is, he is sneaky. They always say like somebody is sneaky quick, but he's not even sneaky quick. He is athletic. He's a yeah. pretty fast guy. You know, yeah. he doesn't look like it. if you see if you saw him on the street, you wouldn't say, you know, I would not be able to beat that man in a foot race, but yeah. I could absolutely not beat that man in a foot race. I, I hear that quite a lot, you know, being like a tall athletic guy myself. You're like, people go, oh, he doesn't look very quick. And they see me running and then they know he's lightning. No, that was a lie. When I run, it's like an earthquake. Um, you are you're yes. a premier defensive back in, in <laughs> yeah, England. Yeah. Natty champ, Natty champ. And apparently an Emmy winner now, apparently as well. Yeah, <laughs> but no, yeah congratulations on your Emmy yeah. on your Emmy victory. <laughs> no, 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 no. I can't take credit for the Emmy. <laughs> I cannot do that. No, but I, 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 I'll shelve that one for when Brad's back because I no doubt he will definitely want to talk about that yeah. particular thing. Um, on the Giants, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Chiefs potentially abuse Reggie Ragland because like when Reggie Ragland was here, um, like, we all know he can't stick around in coverage. We know he's bad in coverage. Like we've seen it firsthand. Whenever he got to passing downs, Reggie Ragland always got t- taken out. So if you see Reggie Ragland on the field, like do something, Candy Reed. Like like target that man. Like he's in the middle of that defense. Like, like make him run. Make him vacate his spot. Make him cover Travis Kelsey if he has to. Make him cover cover a running back. Get clever. You don't want to go after like the likes likes of Logan Ryan and the guys they've got on the back on the back back end like James Bradbury. They're, they're good players. They're gonna get theirs. Target the weak links. Let's go after Reggie Ragnar. That's what I'm looking forward to seeing what Andy Reid can do on Monday night. You know, to that I would love to see the Chiefs come out in like a jumbo formation, like a two tight end set. And yeah. then with like Noah Gray and then just shift him out into the slot and make Reggie Ragland have to try to shift out into the slot and mm-hmm. defend and defend somebody in space. That would, that would make me very happy to see the Chiefs do on Monday night. So we're predicting the Noah Gray breakout game. Like Carl Pitts has had his breakout now. Let's, let's yeah. see the, let's see TE2 of uh, this draft class uh, breakout, shall we? And yeah. on, on the Chiefs side, I think I have to say Patrick Mahomes. Like, I have to. He has to bounce back. He, he's coming off the worst game of his career. And we need to see how he handles, handles adversity. We just talked about it a minute ago. So for me, the one to watch is Patrick Mahomes. Defensively, I'd quite like to see if Tyron Matthew can get back to making splash plays. Like he's been good. He, like he's not been bad this year. He's been good and he's been let down by some of the guys around him. But this Chiefs defense, this particular Chiefs defense plays best when Tyron Matthew is kind of been like, like that Swiss army knife they talk about and when he's making off script plays and he's the one getting the turnovers. Yes, we saw against the Ravens where he got a couple of turnovers and unfortunately it didn't actually amount to a win. But Let's see if Tyron Matthew can get back on track in that sense because we are so used to him being a bullhawk in and around the ball. Let's let, let's get him at the line of scrimmage. Let's get him jumping routes. Let's let, let's let's see the Tyron Matthew that we're so used to. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see the, the Tyron Matthew that we're used to. I mean, mm-hmm. the Tyron Matthew that we're used to is a is a disruptive force, you mm-hmm. know, in the defense. And I think that if it's whether the fact that he feels like he needs to be in multiple places at once or he's you know, kind of trying to do everything. 
he since his first game back, he hasn't really been that disruptive force. He's been solid, like you said, mm-hmm. but he hasn't been that game changer. Yeah, do you think he's like suffering maybe the same similar sort of thing that we're saying about Patrick Mahomes, where there's such high expectations of them two personally that eventually the pressure is going to become too much and the expectation is going to become too much that they do begin to crack. And that's potentially what we're seeing in, in both Matthew and Mahomes. Yes, I do. I think especially though in defense, you know, there's it's so hard to play, you know, it's so hard just to play in the secondary period mm-hmm. and you're, you're at a disadvantage from the moment the ball is snapped. And then if you, if you listen to, you know, kind of, you know, what he's been saying throughout the course of the year, if you compound that with people not lining up in the correct position, and then you're kind of caught in that middle ground of, do I bail a little bit to go try to fix this problem and, yeah. and, and, and account for it? Or do I stay in my assignment and let the big play happen? You yeah. know, you know, do I do what's best for the defense or do I do what's best for me and my assignment? And if you mm-hmm. get stuck in that middle ground, it's almost like, you know, a here nor there sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that, that doesn't help anyone. So 60 minutes is almost up. Well, it's probably going to be about 50 by the time we've cut down all the mistakes so far that I've made. Not you. You've been pretty squeaky clean so far. Um, you, you've been turnoverless. Um, I, I have been full of turnover so far this show. But that's what happens when you swap out the hosts. Um, let's get a prediction from you. Uh, what's going to happen on Monday night? Are the Chiefs going to get right? I mean, I'm, I have pretty much been wrong every single time this year, you know, <laughs> uh, especially on my score prediction. But I think the Chiefs do get right. I think the Chiefs win by, you know, more than a touchdown, I'll say. I think it's okay. I think we win by a touchdown plus, um, and I think we score over 30. That's okay. what I'll say. So I've predicted us to score over 30 every game so far this year. And I don't think we do it. I just don't. I think, I think we're going to win. I do, but I just cannot escape this feeling of it being a nervy game. And I don't think it will stay nervy. I think it will be a nervy first half because of the things we've talked about before, like where the Chiefs will defer and they will go down early and then it'll be nervy. We might have a couple of failed drives and then we'll see what, see what happens there. But I think the Chiefs do win. I, I've got the Chiefs go get into 27 points and the Giants get into 17. Um, a 10-point win, like I'll take that. I'll take that right now, but I don't. I, I don't think we're going to see the performance that many crave. But more importantly, we are going to get the result, and then they can look ahead to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers coming into our head on the following week because that's that's really that's going to be the game that tells us a lot about this team. Yeah, I mean it's a State Farm Bowl, right? <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> and so that's. Uh, I mean, if it's you hate to say it you know, rolling into week nine, but it's, it's the most important game on of the season. It's, that's that's the ultimate make or break point. If mm-hmm. we if we can beat Green Bay, then okay, we got a shot of climbing out of this. Mm-hmm. If we if regardless if we beat the Giants this week, which we need to do, we have to beat the Giants, you know. Um but if we lose to Green Bay, it's a moot point. We're still under five hundred at that point. Mm-hmm. But if we if we, if we beat the Giants and then beat Green Bay, then we're back above five hundred and We've shown that we can beat a good team that's not the Browns. Yeah. And and we have a way forward. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Right. That's all we've got time for. That's what he normally says, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what he says. Um, well, thank you for coming on, Rocky. I enjoyed that. Um, I'm kind of hoping now that Brad goes on more holidays. 
And, and I guess with that, so what is it? It's Friday coming up. It, we're coming up on Halloween this weekend, which means the trade deadline is next week. And the next time we do this show, the trade deadline will have passed. And you look at Frank, as we've just said, man, Frank is, is done and not getting better. And, boy, they could use some help in, in, in adding pressure of the, on the defensive line to help with other areas with this defense. You feel like this defense, God, if you could improve it in any way, that would help. Is there a move at the deadline uh, that you think the Chiefs could make, a realistic one that's out there that the Chiefs could make uh, to go get some, to get some help for this team? I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening to you right now, Ron, and they're just screaming at their podcast feed, go get a defender, please save the defense. No. Yeah, I'm with them. No, don't. Um, <laughs> right there with them. There, there's no saving this defense. And the defenders that are out there available to you right now, uh, they're, they're not saving what you have going on. I mean, we're talking about Melvin Ingram might be legitimately the best player available he's not significantly better than Mike Dana. Like he's, you're probably expecting similar production from him to what you're getting right now for Mike Dana. And let's be honest, this team's probably not taking Frank Clark off the field significant amounts of time. So I don't know how much that really improves you defensively. Um, Meanwhile, on the offensive side of the ball, there is a really good player available that definitely makes you a lot better offensively. And he fixes what I believe to be their number one issue on offense right now. And that's Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks has been a consistent 1,000-yard NFL receiver. He is not a big guy, but he does fit the need of being a legit possession player. He also helps you over the top as well. He can play inside. He can play outside. He's been a guy who has been a number two receiver. He has been a number one receiver. At every stop, he has been a valuable commodity for whoever he was playing for. That's the player that I want them to trade for. I don't know if it's a third round pick. I don't know if it's something in next year's draft or 2023. I don't know what the Texans are going to be looking for, but Brandon cooks would be the player that I want to get at the trade deadline. I think he's the one that is readily available that upgrades you the most from what you have currently. Mm. Yeah. uh, I listen, I think he would obviously help, uh, but man, I just I I don't know if it's throwing players like more players at the situation. Now, like I said, I'm not going to de- deny that he's not better than than McCole Hardman or 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 Demarcus Robinson or any of those guys. Like, I, and 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 I know many people may call me crazy on this. I still think the Chiefs offensively have the talent to. Uh, to be able to score and put up the points, then play offense the way they want to. I, I'm with, I'm, I'm still with Serta from earlier. Like if you get Brandon cooks, is he going to be running into the same problems where they can't solve the cover too? Like to me, it's, it's, I feel like those guys, it's, it's still up to Andy and Eric and company to be able to figure out a scheme to be able to make teams get out of this where to, to be able to, uh, to 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 get yards and get points in this defense as much as it is than throwing players. And to me, I do think, like, listen, there is, we agree, there is no saving this defense. Not at all. There's no saving the defense. But I think there is improving it and getting it better from can you get it to 20? Can you get it to 21? Can you get it in that range of total defense and, and, and improve to that level? Because it, because 
that to me is is an important thing because this this offense, I think, I think they're I would hope they're going to improve. And to as as Serta said earlier, some of these rent these these turnovers at least slow down. But man, can you can you get me? So Ingram to me is an upgrade. And I'm sorry, at some point they're going to they took Dan off the field. And at some point, I believe Frank can be taken off the field. Right? I mean, I, it, it, like it, at some point, it, Frank, Frank or a lot more than you're paying Dan. I, I get that, or another, or the other defensive end, where and you move Chris Jones on the inside. Like they're they're short a defensive end or an outside pass rusher. So Melvin Ingram is somewhere that I would go. I hell, I'd go to Carolina, who's in some weird stuff, to see what the hell they want for Hassan Reddick. Like I, I like I would look around at these teams that may be out of it. Because it's still Super Bowl or bust with this team, and to try to get better with somebody in terms of uh, of, of of a pass rusher at some point, and God, I don't know. You know they don't believe in corners, but if I got to keep looking at Mike Hughes out there when he's got no chance, so I do think adding defensively can at least improve the defense, and I think that's a help. See, when I look at Brandon Cooks, the thing that I see is trust. And I think that's been the biggest issue for them offensively. And I'm speaking from both the coaching side of things and Patrick Mahomes. I think one of the issues for him is that Mahomes is not trusting the offensive line. He's not trusting his eyes. He's not trusting his receivers to be in the right areas. And I don't think the coaches are trusting some of those receivers not named Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey to do what they're asking them to do. They don't trust that they, if they scheme things up the way that you're suggesting, Ron, because I'm with you, that's been an issue for them so far this year. The offense just, they're maybe not I don't doing say, not, a, not as much scheme, but at least, you know, partly scheme, but putting them in a position where they can exploit, like, the the areas that should be exploited in this, this off or in this defense that people are running against them. And I've said this since day one, I don't know that they have the guys to do it. I think they are making it very easy for teams to key in on Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill because they don't, they're not concerned with what their number three pass catcher is, whoever that is right now. They're not concerned with them. They're just saying, okay, yeah, go ahead. If you want to beat us with Byron Pringle or Demarcus Robinson or McCole Hardman, go ahead because those are not efficient throws. And by the end of the game, we're going to be winning because of that. And so far, other teams have been right in that assessment. Um, Meanwhile, when it was Sammy Watkins, and I know he had plenty of issues. Sammy Watkins was far from a perfect player. But when you got into the playoffs and you went up against the Patriots, you know what Bill Belichick did? He stuck Stephon Gilmore one-on-one on Sammy Watkins and said, I'm doubling elsewhere, but Stephon Gilmore, my best corner, I'm putting him on Sammy Watkins. If he played the Chiefs right now and they still had Stephon Gilmore at his peak performance, there's no way they're sticking him over on McCall Hardman or Demarcus Robinson. Why? I'll put him on uh, Travis Kelsey right now. That's where I'm using him. Um, And that's just, that's what it means to have a legit threat at your number two receiver position. They don't have that right now. Brandon Cooks brings that. He's a, what has he done? One, two, three, four, five times in his NFL career, he's been a 1,000 yard receiver. And I've seen some people saying, yeah, but you just brought in Josh Gordon. How many times do you have to throw numbers at the position? This is not the same. This is like me looking for a job right now, Ron, being out of work and being like, you know what? I'm gonna go get a I'm gonna go get a lottery ticket. I'm gonna go get a scratch off. Well, that's one way I could potentially get money. That's the Josh Gordon route. The other route is hey, somebody offered me a nine to five where I make forty five thousand dollars a year with benefits. That's Brandon Cooks. The Chiefs need the nine to five right now. They don't have one. 
And Brandon Cooks is the way that they go out there and get it, in my opinion, at least. Uh, and Brandon Cooks is one of the most underrated wide receivers in football. Like all he's done everywhere he's ever played is just be a consistent playmaker. Now he's not the best wide receiver in football or anything like that, but he's certainly an upgrade and I'm a big Josh Gordon supporter. And I'd like to see Josh Gordon succeed in carve out a role in this offense and actually like produce. But I don't think you can bank on that. Like Josh Gordon is a lottery ticket. Brandon Cooks is a bona fide starting wide receiver who could be a number one wide receiver in most teams, which is what Sammy Watkins kind of was. I would argue that Brandon Cooks is a better wide receiver than Sammy Watkins. And so I think it's going to inevitably open things up if you can acquire a player like that, where, like BK was saying, it changes the way defenses have to play you because Brandon Cooks is that kind of threat. And he has proven that time and time again. Like he's so you think so you think if Brandon you think if Brandon Cooks was on the field for the Chiefs, it would change the way these defenses play him. You think they it might not they would come out of playing them right now, but it would give the Chiefs a much better chance at making the defense play in a different way than what they have at the moment because Byron Pringles made a few nice catches this season. Demarcus Robinson's just wasted snaps. Haven't seen anything from Josh Gordon yet to make me think that he can contribute to this team this year. And maybe he is just done because he spent so much time away from football. He's just never going to be the same kind of player again. So all of those guys that you're banking on offering you anything on the field, aren't offering you anything right now. So what I know, what what I know they can get from Brandon Cooks is that Brandon Cooks can offer you a lot more upside than any of the other guys you're trotting out right now over Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And, and, and my concern is, and I and listen, I know I can't believe it's a concern, but my concern is, I uh, I know I listen. I watch Brandon Cooks every Sunday. I watch Brandon Cooks in practice here in Houston every week. He is a big time receiver. I'm just. I, I I don't know how they're going to use him. That that that's my thing. Like I don't know what they're. He is better than those guys. He certainly is. But him being out there, I don't think it's going to make teams say, "Let's shift how we're going to do things." Because Brandon Cooks is out here. Let's see what they do. We'll just treat Brandon Cooks that we like we would other guys. Now he's better than them. But then, like, how are they going to use him? Because Brandon Cooks, to me, I, I like I've watched him. He's very good. Like the same routes that Sammy Watkins that we talked about running in the middle of the field and taking big hits like that. Well, that's not really Brandon Cooks either. I mean, he's better at it than I would think Hardman, the rest yep. of the crew. But that's not really his game either. I mean, he's hell. He's smaller than Tyreek Hill, I swear. But I mean, like, he's so tough I'm just, though. He's tough. You know, he's tough. He's he's good. Not to mention the concussion issues. But like, he's he's a good. He's a really really good football player. I just still wonder of how the use would be. Like I, yeah. I, I just think that – so you, you asked, does this take teams out of the defense that they're playing against the Chiefs? The answer is probably not. I think this is just going to be the way that teams play against the Chiefs the rest of this year because what they're trying to do – and I know that you know this, Ron, but just for anybody in the audience that's confused as to why this is happening. They're trying to make the Chiefs go 10 to 12 plays every single drive. They're, they're basically saying, hey, our best chance to beat you is – by eliminating those big plays, as we talked about, they're 27th right now in the NFL in, in explosive passing plays against. Um, 
we're going to eliminate that. So you have to instead go five, seven, seven, eight, ten yards down the field consistently. And we're hoping that at some point over the course of that 10, 12, 15 play drive, you mess up. Whether that be a turnover, that be an incompletion that puts you into second and 10, then you run the ball and you get two yards and now you're in third and eight and boom, we just got to get one stop there. That's what they're banking on. And the reason why I think a guy like Brandon Cooks could change things is because you become a more consistent team with him being on the outside. Those those plays that you're running right now where there is a um, miscommunication between Patrick Mahomes and McCole Hardman, which seems to happen still once a week, or Byron Pringle just can't quite secure a catch, or Demarcus Robinson's just not quite where you want him to be or whatever it ends up being. I feel like all of those guys have at least one or two plays per week where it's just not quite there. That doesn't happen with Brandon Cooks. Very, very rarely. So it just becomes a more consistent weapon that you have. And right now, consistency is what this Chiefs team is lacking offensively because they are going to have to have that the rest of the year, especially against teams like Green Bay, Dallas, Las Vegas, the Chargers, Cincinnati, who's become a very good team. That's an imposing threat in week 16 now suddenly you're going to have some really big time teams that you're going up against down the stretch and into the postseason. You need to be consistent offensively. Brandon cooks brings that the guys that you have at that position right now do not. Yeah. He's better and an, an improvement over those guys. I just, I think in, I think where we just see it different is like, I don't, I don't feel like this is a throw players as a solution as much as like, he's better and they will be better, but it feels like to me more of a, fundamental of how we're going to scheme and how we how we attack these defenses problem as much as anything and and they're I think they like go I, hand in hand I think they go I, I think they're they're both connected like the the reason why we are sitting here saying it feels like they're not attacking the defenses correctly is because when they are trying to do so it's not efficient it's not consistent And that means that you're ending up with drives that result in a field goal or drives that uh, stall out. And now you've got a punt, which rarely happens for the Chiefs, but does happen from time to time. Um, And I think that's part of this story. Um, And I I think the two are connected personally. How does New York right now perceive the Giants in what is the trajectory of of what is the Joe Judge experience at this point? Something you guys are familiar with uh, in your long storied history, they're a dumpster fire. Um, and there's no other way to look at them. You know, they're the uh, worst record in football over the last five years. You know, another coach, another failed experiment, you know, another bad football team. You know, the New York Giants have now entered into a world where they are the New York Jets wearing blue. And uh, for Giant fans, that's a tough pill to swallow because, you know, the history of the team, the respect they have for the Mara family, blah, blah, blah. They're right. a bad football team. You guys have no problem dropping a 40 log right on their face. <laughs> Do you feel confidence in Jones or is it just a, a judge kind of feeling that you have? Do you, do you yeah, feel I, like- I like Danny Jones. I think Daniel Jones is a competent quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. He does fit the mold of a lot of uh, today's you know, successful quarterbacks, meaning that he's a really good athlete, can use his feet to, you know, to move the ball up the field, has a good arm and all that stuff. But he's on a bad team. He's on a bad team. With, he's got no offensive line. The defense stinks. Half his wide receiver core spends more time, you know, in the mash unit than on the field. And it's 
you know, difficult for any quarterback to, I think, play under those circumstances. Now, is he the long-term answer? You yeah. know, don't know. But I think Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. Yeah, I, I can see that from afar. I want to tell you, I know what you're saying about the Giants and the city and, and the displeasure that, that's happening with them now. But Kansas City is is a little bit in panic mode right now when it comes to the Chiefs just simply because of – the expectations this team has had back-to-back Super Bowl trips, the one Super Bowl. And what I'm wondering, I, I think, is as Giants fans look at this Monday night game, what is the perception about where the Kansas City Chiefs are at this point? Well, I think a lot of fans are hopeful that, you know, Kansas City's, you know, dysfunctional, especially on defense, that yeah. Patrick is throwing the ball uh, all over the field. So there's opportunities for turnovers. But, I mean, you're just in a different class. And, to be honest, I don't want to hear Kansas City fans complaining or whining about, <laughs> you know, you went to back-to-back Super Bowl, man. You have a ring. You have a great quarterback who will be there for the next decade. You have a proven coach. Like, you know, come to our world. I always love teams that, you know, it's kind of like Yankee fans, right? Like, right. you make the playoffs every single year, but it's not good enough because your expectations are just different than a lot of teams, right? But for a guy that roots for the Jets – and talks about two teams in New York, the Jets and the Giants, neither one of whom have an opportunity to make the playoffs or win a Super Bowl this year. Not for nothing, but nobody wants to hear the woe is me garbage <laughs> from, you know, Kansas City Chief fans. Like, right. oh, no, we might not go back to our third straight Super Bowl. <laughs> what? Enjoy I think what the- you got. Yeah, I think the panic right now is just ex- is extending to this game just because of where the Giants are at. And if the Giants I'm, are terrible defensively, <laughs> you're going to put 30 on them. Now, I don't know what the Giants' offense is going to do. Right. They might score three, four touchdowns and we'll have a bit of a shootout, but you guys are in a different class. Like, if Kansas City Chief fans don't recognize that you're in a different league, you play a different sport than what the Giants play, then, you know, lay off on the Jack Daniels barbecue sauce because you're not seeing it right. Um, Craig, I want to ask you this, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the answer now at this point. What's the scenario for the Giants to come in and, and pull off the answer? There is none. Like, it's like, <laughs> I've said this twice this year. I'm going to say it today on my show as well. The New York Giants cannot win this football game. I've said it twice so far. I'm a rare breed in that I've gotten every single Giant uh, game right this year. I'm going to be right again. That includes last week against the Panthers. I had them beating the Panthers. Yes, yes, yes. Had them losing to Denver, losing to (laughs) Washington. I'm perfect with the Giants (laughs) this year. The Giants don't play the same football that you guys play. And you guys as fans – I don't know, are worried about the outcome of this game, you know, you should be drug tested. <laughs>